The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello everybody and welcome to the St. Albans Film Guide with Danny Smith. Only the twist this week is, it's not with Danny Smith, although it does feature Danny Smith. I'm actually local author Howard Linsky and I'm a regular guest on the St. Albans podcast uh, to discuss films with Danny. But we've swapped chairs this week. And uh, it's Danny who's going to be doing all the all the talking about films because he's done the research, he's done all the hard work, and I'm just um, you know chairing the mic. Welcome, Danny. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. By the way, thank you for that because um, every time that we do it the other way around, I always say welcome to the Sunnyvale Film Guide with Howard Linsky because I see it as I'm merely the host and it's it's Howard's oh, show. So well, that's know, why it said with Danny Smith. You see, as usual, I completely misunderstood. That's, you don't even listen, my, do you? It's, Every it's, week I'm pouring it's out. It's age and senility and, you know, what can I say? Um, I'm, uh, I'm throwing out some of my best oh, broadcasting dear. every week. You don't even pay attention. If you weren't propping me up, what would I be doing with my life apart from writing the occasional book? Not much, I guess. Anyway, no, I just thought it was, to me, it's always the St. Almond's Film Guide with Danny Smith, you know. So I'd doff my cap in your presence. But <laughs> Thank there we you. Go. Anyway, first up, um, well, we're going to be talking about the cinematic new releases. And then after that, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about what's streaming new on uh, original stuff streaming on the uh, streaming services. And then finally, we're going to do a roundup on what films are on free to air TV in the UK for the coming week. But we're going to begin, as we always do, with the cinematic new releases. And um, I believe the first one involves Mr. Kenneth Branagh, a personal hero of mine, and uh, that is Belfast. Yeah, it involves him in many capacities um, because he is both the writer and the director of of this movie. Uh, And uh, it's one that's already been sort of tipped for award glory. Uh, And yeah, and all these films, by the way, all come out on Friday the 21st of January. And uh, Belfast is a semi-autobiographical film which chronicles the life of a working-class family and their young son's childhood during the the, uh, tumultuous late 60s in Northern Ireland and focusing on what life was like in the capital. Uh, So it stars uh, Katrina Balfour, Judi Dench, uh, Jamie Dornan and uh, Kieran Hines, among others. Uh, And uh, and yes, directed by and written by Kenneth Branagh. I think he's directing because the acting career wasn't working out for him, really. He just wasn't (laughs) wasn't getting enough plaudits. He's struggling. He's struggling, yeah. yeah. But um, as you said, it's uh, you hinted at it earlier when you said it's semi-autobiographical, so it is based on the childhood he had, and and people don't tend to realise because he is considered very English that he actually grew up in in Ireland and came over when he was a youngster. And um, I guess this is him looking back. Now, um, the only thing I did think about this when I saw the trailer is it does look a little bit um, sort of saccharine-tinted, if you see what I mean. Lots of smiles, lots of... Wow, isn't life amazing? And that's interesting with the with the setting against the backdrop of um, sectarian violence. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out when yeah. we actually get the chance to see it. Also interesting, I think, stylistically, because it looks um, very vintage. Uh, I guess not least because it's black and white. Yes, exactly. Which it is an interesting style it. choice to it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so looking at the late 60s in Belfast um, through the eyes of, of the writer-director Kenneth Branagh. So that's Belfast. That's, that's probably the, the critically... Big film of the week. It is. It's um, already nominated for the awards, and, yeah. and it's just a in passing. It's nice to see him employing Judy Dench again as well, because you know, does anyone else want to at this point? I mean, yeah. she's not never in anything, is she? No, no. <laughs> she, she's she's part of that growing list of people, isn't she? That that's it's either if it's not Stephen Graham, it's Olivia yeah. Colman, or it's Judy Dench. Yeah, and, yeah. and with the you know, if you want an older actress, it's either Judy Dench or Helen Mirren, depending yeah. on the type of person you yeah. want to play. Yeah. If you want Foxy and older, Helen Mirren, exactly. Uh, and if you want like sort of I don't know, like like Still. your nan. 
Stern. Or Stern, yeah, you know, yeah. She usually plays, you know, well, we tend to play Stern figures like Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth, memorably, and uh, and also M. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, there we go. But good to see her, you know, still earning a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm worried, for, particularly in the winter months, you know, the, the fuel bills don't yes, pay themselves. exactly. Anyway, that's Belfast. <coughs> that's out uh, today. Also yeah. out today, uh, Journal for Jordan. Now, I think this is more of a coincidence than anything else because it stars Michael B. Jordan, yes, but it it's not about him. Um, yeah. But uh, So, uh, deployed to Iraq, uh, First uh, Sergeant Charles Monroe King starts to keep a journal of love and advice for his infant son. Back at home, uh, Dana Kennedy, a senior editor for the New York Times, revisits the story of her unlikely life-altering relationship with King and his enduring devotion to his beloved family. Uh, and uh, it stars Michael B. Jordan, but it's directed by... Denzel Washington. Again, because the acting clearly isn't working enough for him. He's got to move behind the camera. This is based on a true story, isn't it, from what I gather? Um, that Dana Kennedy actually did have a relationship with the guy in question who keeps the journal. And no spoilers, but um, except to say that she had the relationship with the man and had the kid um, with him. And uh, yeah, she then wrote a best selling book that this is based on. I don't know how closely based on it is or whether bits of it are fictitious or not, but um, I understand quite a bit of it is based on the truth yes yes I mean they do claim it's based on a true story it's, it even says that on the poster so it must be true indeed uh, but, uh, but yes and, and uh, uh, I was thinking as well like Denzel Washington is quite busy it seems yes. at the moment because uh, he's he's been in is it the tragedy of Macbeth yes I saw that the other day and I tell you what he was excellent in that and I've seen quite a few versions of Macbeth over the years but this was really good um, it was an excellent cast Quite minimalist, not battle scenes or anything like that. Very much focusing on the words and thoughts of the characters. And he acts Macbeth brilliantly. Yeah. And uh, and he's... Uh, now, as a director, uh, he's not particularly well known for um, uh, directing. I believe that this is his fourth movie, did I see? Yeah, it's his fourth movie. Um, it's technically his fifth directing credits. He also did an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, right. <laughs> rather rather again, weirdly. Again, in case it didn't work out yeah, on screen. Yeah, but, uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> and, and also I gather uh, Denzel Washington is, I saw him in an interview saying he's now having to do some press-ups and sit-ups because he's going back to beating people up on screen. He's doing the third Equaliser film. Wow, next. and he's in his 60s, isn't he? Yeah. Because you know, I remember him commenting on The Age because of Macbeth and saying, you know, I, I won't be here forever, so I want to work with good people, and uh, that's what he did. He's sixty-seven years old. Wow! Um, so uh, yeah, uh, but uh, but very good. He, there was a film of his that I saw uh, over Christmas that was one that was released last year, uh, and it was one of these ones that went to streaming because of the the cinemas being closed, uh, and it was called The Little Things, and it it starred it was um, hunting a serial killer, and it starred him and also uh, Rami Malek. And Jared Leto, and that and got a good cast. <clears throat> yeah, um, not quite the sum of its parts, um, right. in my opinion. But anyway, uh, he was very good in it. He's always good in whatever he, he does. Is, um, he is. That's, uh, <clears throat> but that, this is the Denzel Washington uh, uh, behind the lens on this one, uh, which uh, is uh, the, the film. Um, I've lost General the title. For Jordan. General for Jordan. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> and now the the final film I'm going to mention this week uh, in the new releases. Uh, it seems in a way we're kind of spoiled with three uh, releases by by quite big 
names, you know. Yes. And, and this one uh, is the latest film from Guillermo del Toro. With it's a terrific cast, isn't it? Well, yeah, quite, quite. I mean, often we get a list of the cast and we'll know a couple of the names, but we know all of these yeah. names. Uh, this is uh, Nightmare Alley, and it stars uh, Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, and Willem Dafoe. And it's set in 1940s New York, and down on his luck, Stanton Carlyle endears himself to a clairvoyant and her mentalist husband at a travelling carnival. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, using newly acquired knowledge, Carlyle crafts a golden ticket to success by swindling the elite and wealthy. Hoping for a big score, uh, he soon hatches a scheme to con a dangerous tycoon with help from a mysterious psychiatrist who might be his most formidable opponent yet. It sounds like he'd get away with it easily without any problems whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see what's going to go wrong there. I've seen the trailer. It already looks like it's gone horribly wrong. So, <laughs> But um, it, it'd be interesting. It looks brilliant, as in to look at. The film looks marvellous. And it's Guillermo del Toro, isn't it? So it'll be very stylized and very interesting. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be fascinated to see that one. It looks it looks pretty good. I, you know, you can't beat a bit of film noir, and mm. and 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 any film really set in the forties is kind of noir already. It is, know? it is. It's um, already got that tone about it, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but but yes, what what a cracking uh, what a cracking cast and and yeah, he, I do like his films, and I think he's quite diverse. You know, you go from Pan's Labyrinth to um, Hellboy. You know, and it, you know that that's that, that does show he has a bit of a range as a director. I got the impression you could chuck any script at him, and he would make it better, yeah. and make it look amazing. And people, and clearly the actors are queuing up to work with him. So. Yeah, uh, Rooney Mara's in there as well. Uh, Ron Perlman, who he seems to often yeah. work with. David Strathairn, I noticed on the uh, on, on the cast list here as well. Um, you know, it's 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 quite the quite the cast, um, and also apparently Guillermo del Toro is a big Doctor Who fan. And has been trying to direct an episode of Doctor Who. Wow. Uh, what is the director? He's not good enough? Or yeah, something? yeah. You know, they, I'm sorry, mate. You've got to prove yourself first. Win a few more Oscars <laughs> and then you can come back. I, I, I wonder if it's a scheduling or a, oh, you know, something else. But, but he has been quite public about his like of um, uh, Doctor Who and how he'd love to direct an episode. Maybe they showed him how much the directors get paid to do a an episode of Doctor Who and he kind of went oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't keep me in ties. Yeah, and, and I don't really fancy going to the UK. It's a bit cold. And Wales, well, a gravel pit in Wales. What's wrong with that? You know. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over ten years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views, and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene, and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm, and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Welcome back to the St Albans Film Guide, and we're into part two, where I'll be asking Danny Smith to talk us through new or original movies that are streaming this week and I think you've got one for us haven't you? Yeah so what we do here normally is we look at, uh, because lots of films get released on the streaming services most of them are not original ones but during the pandemic we were seeing a slew of original ones and that's still happening a bit and particularly Netflix seem very uh, 
very much uh, into this now, don't they? And 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 yeah. they they are releasing a lot of movies that get a limited theatrical release, yes, just for a week or two to yeah. get the Oscars, just just to qualify for the awards. Yeah. And 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 then their main release comes out on uh, on on their streaming service, which is what how this next film's come about because this film was released in select theatres, so probably a handful uh, at the very beginning of January, but it's coming out on Friday the twenty first of January, and the film is called Munich: The Edge of War. Uh, so uh, this isn't the sequel to Munich, which was about the the uh, tragedy at the Olympics. This is actually a set right in j- just before World War Two, so 1938. Yes, peace in our time, memorably, was the phrase that came from that, didn't it? <laughs> when... <laughs> yeah. Now this is very much your your thing, isn't it? You you it you are quite, quite knowledgeable of this this, one, yeah. this era. Uh, so yes, yeah, this is based on the international bestseller by Robert Harris. It's set in the autumn of 1938, and Europe stands on the brink of war. Hitler is prepared. prepared Preparing to invade Czechoslovakia, and Neville Chamberlain's government desperately seeks a peaceful solution. With the pressure building, uh, Hugh Legat, uh, a British civil servant, and Paul von Hartmann, a German diplomat, travel to Munich for the emergency conference. As negotiations begin, the two old friends find themselves at the centre of a web of political subterfuge and very real danger. With the whole world watching, can war be averted? And if so, at what cost? Spoiler alert. Yes, it isn't. It's not going to be averted, is it? <laughs> they, Unfortunately, it'll be averted temporarily. They don't win. Um, what, what I think is interesting about this movie, apart from the fact that it's written by the usually very um, excellent Robert Harris, the guy who wrote Fatherland and Enigma and introduced different ideas about World War II um, to, to many readers, um, he's, uh, from what I understand, it's a little bit of a revisionist look at um, Chamberlain, who tends to be held up as weak and rather foolish because he acquiesced to Hitler's demands. And he did famously step off the plane, wave a piece of paper and say, this is this has been signed and it guarantees peace in our time. And then a year later, there was war. And I, from what I understand, I haven't obviously seen the movie yet because it's only just come out. But Robert Harris is saying we should look at this again because um, Chamberlain wasn't weak. And what he managed to do was buy time for Britain in particular before war actually came about. So I think uh, he's uh, he's going against... I guess the majority of historians and the way that they've looked at Chamberlain, it should be quite interesting. And it's written as a as a thriller, as you said. There's a bit of espionage involved. They have to get a document and and take a look at this thing. And uh, hence, you've got the young, presumably fictional British civil servant who is tasked with retrieving that document. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and Robert Harris is also an executive producer on this, so one imagines that it must in some way be quite faithful to his adaptation or at least the whatever um, deviations that they've made it are, are those that he approves With of. With his approval, presumably, if his name's on the credits, yes. Yeah. And they've got you've got the up-and-coming young chap, Jeremy Irons, who looks like one for the future. <laughs> yeah, he plays Neville Chamberlain, doesn't he? Does. He? he just gets better with age, I think. Yeah. He's, been in, he's been in, oh, how can I put this, loads of stuff. Yeah, yeah, bucket loads, <laughs> bucket I, loads I think stuff. is a phrase. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's that's um, uh, the film uh, Munich. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, not, it's called Munich, The Edge of War. And um, I'm also, I, I, I like these... Um, I like it sometimes when in history you look at somebody who's known for one thing, but you look at like more about, you find out more about them because, because often, you know, people, historical figures are defined by one thing and yet humans are so nuanced and have so many different characteristics. It's very difficult. Uh, I recently was, uh, heard of, um, I heard a talk about Thomas from the Bible who 
was always known as Doubting, doubting Thomas. Thomas. And yes. everyone who, who knows anything of, of, of stories of the Bible would know, oh, yeah, he doubted. Yet there are, I believe there are three references to Thomas in the New Testament, and in two of them he's very heroic. But you don't hear about those. Ah. You only hear about the fact that he questioned you know, and, and, and in fact, what he questioned was quite a reasonable thing quite that reasonable. most people might yes. have said, well, well, hang on, somebody came back from the dead. I have yeah. this image of poor Thomas being at the bar going, you know, twice in my life I've been an absolute hero. But do they call me Thomas the hero? No, no, no they don't. <laughs> Pour me a whiskey. They only have a copy doubting Thomas. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> One s- question I asked. <laughs> well, and, and so, you know, is, is Neville Chamberlain only ever remembered for, for, yeah. for rather foolishly like predicting, that's right, there won't be a war. You know, so I, I've sorted it. There will yeah. be peace in our times. And of course, got it wrong. Yes, um, he did. And I mean, uh, you know, who who knew that could have ended very differently? But yes, with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see what um, Harris makes of this and how he portrays Neville Chamberlain or how he gets Jeremy Irons more accurately hmm. to portray Neville Chamberlain okay. as a statesman. And the, the other thing I, I guess to mention, the star of this is George Mackay, a young young actor who was uh, that I remember him from 1917. Yes, that was a good movie as well. Another war film, but a different era. Yes, yes, that was World War One, uh, wasn't it? Um, but the, this is uh, this is him. I, I'm sure he's done loads of other things as well. It's just that was something that I had seen him in as well. Mm. So Munich: The Edge of War comes out on Friday, the 21st of January on Netflix. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Welcome back to the St Albans Film Guide and this section is part three and I'll be paying particular attention because I'm looking for some tips from Danny Smith for the best films that are going to be on UK free-to-air TV in the coming week and we're going to choose, or rather Danny's going to choose, one movie per day for seven days starting with Friday the 21st of January at 9pm on Film 4. Danny, tell us about Man on Fire. Yeah, well, this uh, is uh, Denzel Washington again making another appearance this week on the uh, on the film guide, uh, and uh, this is him kind of doing what a couple of years later um, Liam Neeson yeah, started to make a name that. for himself. It has that kind of look to it on the trailer, Liam Neeson. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but this was this was a good couple of years before. When did this film come out? I think it was two thousand four. Right, and and Taken was I think something like two thousand and seven. The first uh, the first one there. So. Um, yeah, th- this is uh, uh, you know th- this is him kind of doing this that thing where yeah you know, a, a bloke of middling years uh, doing sort of actiony stuff um, and he's he's a man with a particular set of skills. It does sound a little bit taken esque, doesn't it? Mm. But uh, but yeah, in 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 this particular one, uh, he's a former U.S. government operative battling with an addiction to alcohol. I was going to say he has his demons, doesn't yeah. he? And that's encompassed by his boozing. Yeah, yeah. but he's hired as a, a bodyguard to a nine-year-old daughter of a wealthy businessman in Mexico City. 
When the girl is abducted, he swears vengeance on those responsible while setting out on a dangerous revenge fueled rescue mission. So it does sound like yes, similar he, territory. He will find them. Yeah. And he will kill them. <laughs> it, is, it is similar territory. But it, it came before, so it's not a ripoff. It's, no. It's the one that he probably says, hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> they, they saw this. And, uh, also, not yeah. set in uh, Europe. Uh, this, mm. is, this is set um, uh, it's Mexico City. In Mexico, um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and you've got there uh, Denzel Washington uh, in fine form in this movie. Because I don't, I don't think... I can't, I'm, I'm trying to think now. I, I don't recall there being many actiony roles for Denzel Washington before this. You know, he has subsequently done the Equalizer, we've and, and the sequel to that. Those yep. very hands-on physical movies. Um, yes, I never thought of him as an action star. More sort of thoughtful. Yeah, he's um, done thrillers. You know, and he's even done in Crimson Tide, for example, he was he, uh, quite a manly presence, but yeah. he wasn't forever shooting and no. punching people. No. Um, so uh, this was this this was a, ch- a slight change of pace, I guess, mm. for him. Uh, but very well done. Made with... Uh, it was directed uh, by uh, Tony Scott. And, uh, yeah, t- Tony Scott is, is a director who... You know, we, we talk of Ridley Scott and Ridley Scott's range and the different types yeah. of movies. T- Tony Scott was by no means the poor younger brother, was no, he? he wasn't. He tended not to get the... Uh, critical reputation that Ridley got, but he did the big box office movies, the ones that really made the money. Yeah, I mean, you, you just look at some of his movies, you know, uh, True Romance uh, and Top Gun. You know, he 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 knew he knew his way around big movies. Yeah, Top Gun. Whatever happened to that movie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Days of Thunder. Yeah. He did. Yeah, uh, he did. But <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop Two. Um, I'm looking down at his listener. The Last Boy Scout. Crimson Tide. Yeah, um, there you go. Enemy of that the was State. His best one, in my opinion, Crimson Tide. Fabulous movie, set on a submarine. Oh. I think it was good. I thought oh, Spy Game wasn't bad. That oh, he I don't did. Think I've seen Spy Game. Who's in that one? Um, that, that, Bell. That's, that's that's the Robert Redford one, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, a Robert right. Redford. Brad. Pitt. I have seen it. Sorry, yes, yeah. a while ago. Um, yeah, yeah that, that was that was. But 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 yeah, yeah Crim, Crimson Tide is 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 a pretty good. Movie Not a bad as well. watch. Gene Hackman's very good in that as well. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah, always good. Um, but but yes, so uh, Man on Fire, also in there, Christopher Walken, uh, uh, Rada always Mitchell, watchable. who I, th- I believe was an Australian actress, is an Australian actress. I think she might have been in Neighbours. That doesn't narrow it down, does it, for Nozzy? Yeah, um, aren't they all made to do at least several episodes of that before they're allowed out into the world? Yeah, 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 they, they all do that. Um, and, and Dakota Fanning playing the little girl, and, and she was particularly good uh, in, in that role um, because you kind of had to believe why he would do this you know it, it it needed yeah even on the trailer i thought she looked very charismatic so I look, I, knowing that you were going to select this i looked at the trailer this morning and um she, she i didn't realize it was her yeah obviously as a child but um because this is way back in 2004 mm. but yeah she was very striking in it i thought very um believable yeah and uh, also mickey rooks in there as well um oh. looking looking a little bit like beating up and stuff because that's just how he looks. I was going to say he's looked like that ever since about 1983, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Looks like his, so, his face was on fire and someone put it out with a shovel. Yeah. Well, he is Man on Fire. Yeah. <laughs> At least uh, Denzel Washington is. Oh. So that's Man on Fire, a 2004 movie on Friday the 21st of January on Film 4 at 9pm. Nipping to Saturday the 22nd of January at 11.50pm. You've chosen a film from 1988 on ITV4 and you've gone for Ronin. 1998. Um, if, if I get that wrong Gosh, in my did notes. did I not say that? My apologies. Um, yeah, 1998. Yeah. Um, not that it matters quickly. too much. But uh, but yeah, now, is this a film? Are you familiar with this film? I am, yes. Very because good. if there's a film this week that I'd have said it's a Howard film, it might have been that. Yeah. Unless um, I'd picked a war movie. The only I, No, I've only watched this movie once and I remember sitting down thinking, I'm going to like this. But I just found it a little bit out there for me. 
Uh, I'm the only person I know who got bored by the car chase. Everybody says, what a fabulous car chase it was, and I got a bit bored. And the thing, you're going to laugh at this one because it's so minor, the thing that absolutely ruined this movie for me, the minute I was snapped back into the living room and not on the, the screen, was when Robert De Niro realises that Sean Bean wasn't really in the SAS. And he, and he starts threatening him, and he's like, prove that you were in the SAS. And he starts asking him what colour the hut where the boats are is in, get this, Hereford. Not, not Hereford, right? <laughs> tell me, tell me about the boats in Hereford. And it, Sean Bean clearly must have gone, I just, I don't know, I can't tell him. He's Robert De Niro. Who's going to tell him? I'm not going to tell him. You know, and, and so it kind of undermines that whole, <laughs> you know, the idea that uh, I'm an expert on the SES and I'm calling the place Hereford. But, um, yeah, but, ruined but it for that... me. Ruined the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I, I clearly forget, get, forgave him for that because I, I, that, that didn't ring a bell until you just said it. I should watch it again, really. I don't know if I was in the wrong mood to watch it. I mean, the cast is fabulous. Um, but also, that could have been the really mistake good. of the character. Maybe Robert De Niro knows exactly how to say Hereford. Yeah, but no, perhaps his character I don't think didn't so. Know I think he's. I mean, Sean Bean looked as mystified as you would expect if someone's barking the word Hereford at you. Hereford <laughs> sounded a bit like. Uh, like he was from Dorset there for a while, <laughs> not America. Well, but, um, anyway, pr- pronunci- I'm in the minority. Most people love Ronin. Most blokes love Ronin in particular. Pr- pr- so. Pronunciation to one side. Um, yeah. it, it's. I, I think it's a great film. I think it's. It's quite underrated. Um, it. It is. It is very familiar in its storyline you know that, that this has been done a lot of times before this kind of thing a freelance former u.s intelligence agent is recruited alongside a team of fellow mercenaries to take part in an international plot to capture a briefcase from a gang of criminals however after the mission is completed one member of the crew decides to betray his equally ruthless comrades in arms with inevitably explosive results that could be any number of, yes, of second-rate action probably, movies. looking back, that's probably why I didn't get into it, because I was perhaps expecting more from that cast than I got. I should have just gone, it's a Saturday night movie, Howard. Yeah. Open a beer, enjoy. But Don't care about the pronunciation of Hereford. No, but, but to me, <laughs> the thing that makes that more than just a straight-to-DVD action movie starring some karate bloke is the fact that it's got this... this Fine caliber of st- mm. of cast <clears throat> and directed by John Frankenheimer. Yeah, who is who, no slouch. No, and you know, so Robert De Niro, Jean Reno, uh, Natasha McElhone, Sean Bean, Stellan Skarsgård, and Jonathan Price. Yeah, oh, that's an amazing cast. It is a very yeah. and and yeah, you know, there is a car chase and it's quite a long car chase and a, and I think that's kind of a John Frankenheimer thing, isn't it? You know, he did French Connection too. He didn't did, he? yes, and um, I, I think you're right, and I think I'm probably the only bloke in the world who gets bored with car chases. Most people love them. What what yeah. I particularly enjoyed about seeing it in the cinema when it came out was Robert De Niro missing his undergarments when a car comes flying out of one side and he had to swerve to miss it in a car chase <laughs> and I'm thinking you never see really acting you know Daniel Craig doing a car chase yeah, yeah. he's just they stoic isn't he and yeah, he doesn't look right. you know because he's James Bond and Bond has no emotions and it's all it's robot like you know, yeah, yeah and, and not just that you know most action movies you know you, you see Mel Gibson tearing through traffic in a lethal weapon movie you know without any fear or, or regard for anything else yeah, so it's complete confidence that they're going to not hit the thing that's careering at them at great speed yeah the only people that are going to get hurt are the bad guys they're not really going to get hurt whereas with this Robert De Niro looked like he was proper scared a couple of times in that car he looked startled he looked stunned and I thought you know wow he's acting while he's doing that and 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 yeah and and it was I I mean I I remember very clearly the scene that you talked about where 
he didn't pronounce uh, Hereford properly. I thought it was great the way that he set Sean Bean up where he ambushed him with a coffee cup and he placed it on the edge of a table and he, he pushed him back towards it as the coffee cup fell off. He just said, I've just ambushed you with a coffee cup you know, and you're telling me you're SAS. And it was the, that whole like calling out his bull because you know yeah. he was one of these guys and, and you get the impression there's a lot of them around. The who, stolen glory thing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. There is. I'm sure there is. And uh, you hear these stories from when you speak to people who've actually been in the military. Yeah, yeah, and it must be it must be incredibly offensive. And I remember yes, that scene be. of just how offended Robert De Niro was that this guy was passing himself off That's as something, something he wasn't. Not. I think that that really goes down badly with people in general. But if you're in the military, if you claim to be something you've not earned, that particularly rankles, yeah. especially with the people who have gone through that training or that selection process. So yes, yeah. so good choice, Ronin, and also the writing of it as well. The, the, again, this isn't the type of film normally the writing was stand out. David Mamet wrote the screenplay. Oh, do you know, I did not know that. And he's normally very good, David Mamet. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think there's a lot of things that set this apart from the average thing. Yep, and also, I'll it, have to revisit this one. It's a, Again, with, we've, we've mentioned um, you know, Liam Neeson, we mentioned Denzel Washington. Robert De Niro doing a, doing a thing that he's not normally known for, doing that sort of bloke of a certain age doing the action thing yep. in Europe. So this is a little bit Taken-esque again, but this was 1998, so this was several years before uh, Taken. It is, and it had. I don't know if I may be wider the mark here, but from memory, when I saw the Bourne movies a little later, they seem to have been influenced a little bit by the way the Ronin movie looked and all the car chases and some of the violence. I think I think there's there's a lot of similarity there. Um, again, you know, the European setting I think helped somewhat yep. there, and 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 the yeah the, the way it was done, it's very frenetic camera work and and real sort of hands on action. Yeah, uh, which which now becomes such a part of what we see. But I don't think was around so much then. It, you know, often fight scenes always in movies looked incredibly well choreographed and smooth, and yes. shootouts were all very graceful and yeah. And, and after those very choreographed fights, quite often the people didn't look like they'd been in any fight at all. I mean, <laughs> not, not a fight I've actually witnessed. <laughs> not real fighting where you do look a bit battered at no, the end of one. Not like up north, <laughs> eh? <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. It doesn't end quite so cleanly usually, but never mind. So, good choice. You've convinced me after 24 years because I didn't watch it when it first came out. I, I'll have to re-explore that one and let you know. I'm taking that as a win. So, yeah, I think so. You've convinced me. So, we'll move to, well, gee, it's supposed to be Sunday. Technically, this is Monday, but it's Sunday night. So, you, you're allowed to do that, as we've often said before, on technically Monday the 24th of January. But Sunday night, everybody, because it's 12.15 a.m. The 2015 movie on BBC One is... Z for Zachariah. This I am interested in. This looks good. I've not seen it. Tell me more. Yeah, so if you're looking in your TV listings guide, this would appear as a Sunday movie, but it is technically into Monday morning, but who cares? Um, so, yeah, this is this is a very, um, uh, very sort of quirky little um, claustrophobic sci-fi sort of so movie. Post-apocalyptic yeah, so setting, it's, isn't it? After a it's got disaster. A post- and That's it. And, and when I say it's it's kind of claustrophobic that's no mean feat when it's set in the outdoors and mm. and it's because it feels that way because there are only three cast members in it and in fact for nearly half the film there are only two cast members in it um and and it's yeah it's got a great cast yeah, uh, good cast yeah. Ma- margot robbie chuitalegia four and chris pine uh, and and margot robbie is very much the central character in this and and it's all about her and her character lives alone on a farm that belonged to her family in the aftermath of a nuclear apocalypse believing herself to be 
be the last survivor of the human race. Her simple life is disrupted by the appearance of a second survivor, and they adapt to working together. But the arrival of a third individual threatens everything they have built. Now, I haven't seen it, but is he a wrong Are we led to believe he might be a wrong We just don't know at this point, do it's, we? It would be a spoiler, spoiler to, to, yeah. uh, to, to determine whose, whose yeah. motives were good and, and whose and motives were not. And do they explain, because I'm curious, why their valley with their farm is spared what happens elsewhere? Is there a, or is it, are we just expected to accept that? Uh, I think there is an explanation, because I think... There, there are scenes, if I remember rightly, where when she travels further, she has to put on a suit. Yeah, so that looks like it on the trailer. And, yeah, uh, but but <clears throat> with it, I think ge- something geologically to do with where it is, she's safe where she is. I wondered if it was going to be those one of those real explanations, or whether it was just ah, there's been a shift in the space time continuum, which is the usual Doctor Who response to. I've got whatever a feeling it's something to do with the, the, the fact that it's in the valley, and so the 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 fallout. Is protected by right. the valley, or so. I, I, it does explain it. I, I don't remember the explanation, I, I, but I do remember that I believed it. Frankly, I won't be pedantic. I will enjoy watching this regardless. I was just curious to see, really, to see whether they tried to answer the question or if they just went, "Yes, this valley's been spared for some inexplicably scientific reason." <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but it I looks d- good. I don't think it bothers to explain too much. I don't. No, I, probably I think just as well. Yeah, yeah, because I guess a lot of that is superfluous. Really, this is a study of these three people. It's looking yeah. at so, so you know, you've got this this woman who who believes she's all on her own, and she's she's got a nice life. She's worked out how <laughs> to live, and she she she's able to live off of the land and work things out. And then a stranger appears. Yeah, and this one you twigged that it had been based on something earlier, didn't you? Yes, on television. Yes, that? so um, this a this play was, for today was it? This was a play, a, while now. A, a play for today from the early eighties, where the setting in that was Wales rather than mm. this, where a gravel pit in Wales again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so this this is set in in America, but I believe it's filmed in Australia or New Zealand. Right. It's not. It's certainly not filmed where it is set. And there is there is something that gives that away at one point, I remember, because I think there was a sign that said something being so many kilometres away. But if it was in America, it wouldn't have said that. It would have said miles. Um, and also, just thinking, shout out for the writer who was commissioned to write a play for the day or wrote one, regardless of whether he was commissioned. And then a few years later, Hollywood comes knocking. Quite a, quite a few years later. And, uh, and he gets paid all over again. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, so I think it's based on a book. Or, or at the very least, perhaps a short. No, it's a book by Robert C. O'Brien. So ah. the play for today was 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 based on the book. Based on that oh, book. Oh, I didn't realize. And maybe the book was set play. in Wales as well. Maybe they've just updated the setting because it's you know Hollywood. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, great cast. And you know, Margot Robbie, she, she she's no slouch when it comes to the acting. She she knows how yeah. to do it, <clears> and she does it very well. And all I think, three of these cast, they're all really good, aren't they? Well, I was going to say, I, I I was quite convinced of two of them being right. good actors. I wasn't so sure about the third ah. because I kind of thought Chris Pine, bit of a pretty boy. He's done Captain Kirk. I think he was really good as Captain Kirk, though. So I, I kind of put that as acting in the sense right. that I was pleasantly surprised how good he was in that. I did, and I might get <clears throat> shot down by a Star Trek fan, but I did think he was considerably better at the acting than William Shatner ever was. Yeah. But, you, um, you mean you thought he was considerably <laughs> better than William Shatner? <laughs> yeah, um, but but oh, um, but you know, I've always liked Chris Pine. I wasn't convinced that he was actually more than like a good sort of pretty yeah, boy film star. Yeah. But in this, he showed to he, me. He showed I, some range, did he? There was there was range and there was depth in this, and right. and also, <clears throat> you know, yes, he 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 could act just as well. He held his own alongside, um, you know, a- actors that have got more recognition than he has for the, for their acting. 
so yeah, all three of them work really well. So this is going to be a good one. It's what a shame it's on at twelve fifteen a.m. We'll have to resort to watching it on electronic devices or setting the old video cassette recorder if anybody still owns one of those. Yeah, well, yeah. That's well, on that... Monday the twenty. Well, technically Monday, but mm. Sunday night, Monday the twenty fourth of January, twelve fifteen a.m. on BBC One. Z for Zachariah. Oh, and just to say as well, the set, yes, it was set in the Appalachian Mountains of, of the eastern United States, right? But but filmed in New Zealand because uh, Margot Robbie said, "I ain't going to Wales." Sorry, no, I'd rather go to some <laughs> mountain in a warm place. Might might have been a slightly different movie, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> set it in Wales, slightly different. You know, hello Wales. Yeah. Anyway, nothing yeah. against you. Yeah, no, exactly. Wales is a lovely place, but she probably didn't. Uh, well, actually, she might not even know what it's like there. Anyway. Moving swiftly onwards before the Welsh uh, decides to uh, uh, cancel me. Yeah. Um, the next selection is for really for Monday, not just technically Monday. This is Monday the 24th of January at 9pm. And it must be great because it's on great exclamation mark, great movies. Uh, it's a 2007 film. And it's called Mr. Brooks. Tell us all about Mr. Brooks. Yeah, so, so this is a film that I don't think many people would have heard of. Uh, have you come across this No, movie? I've never seen this. No. Okay, so this, uh, and it stars Kevin Costner. Hmm. But this was long after Kevin Costner was kind of big. You know, yeah. like the, the late 80s, early 90s was, was kind of the, the pinnacle of his his. That's right, his he seemed superstardom. to fade away a bit, but still do movies. And yeah. They weren't necessarily big movies that no. he was doing. So. And, and, and of late, he has done, in the, I say of late, in the last 15 years or so, he's, he's done some quite interesting pieces. Hmm. And, and he's also done a little bit of the old going down that route of a bloke with a certain age, a particular yep. set of skills. He's played assassins. He's played CIA agents. He's done some of that stuff of late. But this is one where he plays a serial killer and uh, and which is quite a departure from the norm, normally very heroic, very, um, you know, blue yeah, collar American. Not just a serial killer, a serial killer with technically an imaginary friend i believe is that correct yes yeah, yeah. it's so, not harvey the rabbit then no so he's uh, <laughs> so what he's what we've got here so we, he plays a seemingly respectable businessman earl brooks who tries to lead a normal life with his family but the problem is his imaginary friend marshall who goads him into committing a series of brutal murders which of course if your imaginary friend's going to do that you're doomed really aren't you yeah i mean honestly you know peer pressure yeah so as brooks <laughs> tries to wrestle control and end the killings he also has to contend with a blackmailer who catches him in the act and a tenacious detective who is close to discovering the truth. Now, that all sounds almost farcical, but it's not. It's incredibly dark. Yeah, again, I watched the trailer because I'd not, I admit I've never heard of this film. And uh, usually I've heard of things, even if I haven't seen them or I've chosen not to see them because I don't have time to see them. But I'd never heard of Mr. Brooks. And I thought, oh, William Hurt's in it. He's always really good. Yeah. I'm a big fan of William Hurt. And Demi Moore is always very watchable as well. You know, she's a very good actress, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, um, I bet they elevate this, no matter how good, bad or indifferent people think it is. I should imagine with a cast like that, it makes it far more worthy of watching. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I, you know, the, having that sort of cast helps. Also, sometimes I think when, when one sees a film that perhaps isn't that well known, but you see a good cast, you, you sometimes have to think, well, what would have drawn them to that? And, mm. and often I think it could be the sign of quite a good script yes. that, that they thought, well, do you know what? I'd like to do that movie because that actually sounds quite interesting. Um, or they need the money. So, well, there is know, also that. Is that is the alternative. But yeah. no, I took your point totally that I would imagine that these guys probably don't need to sign on for everything that's offered them, mm. um, you know, unless uh, you know, unless that mortgage is getting a little bit um, excessive. Yeah, but yeah, I think you're right. Probably that to get these three together, you would expect a pretty good script. I would imagine when it was pitched to them, Kevin, you'll have you know William Hurt, Demi Moore, and this this amazing story. So yeah, and disappeared without trace by the look of it. So, yeah, yeah. So so I don't think it necessarily um, did. Um, you know, did, did terribly well in the box office, mm. uh, but I, I don't think that 
that should be seen as any reflection on the on the quality no. of the movie. Um, it, it's very interesting. So you you've got this guy that he's not only just like a respectable family man and businessman. He's actually got a bit of a profile. He he was named Portland's Man of the Year, but he's also the serial killer known as Thumbprint Killer. And it's that real kind of the, the dichotomy. You know, the, I uh, I'm just thinking of the award ceremony. Please welcome on stage Portland's Man of the Year, the serial killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Earl Brooks. Yeah. And 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 you know, yeah. so so it's 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 kind of you know, it's a really interesting premise and, and yeah, there's, yes. there's a great as you say, one. a great supporting cast in there. Also, um uh, a lot of people that you might have seen off TV things, um Marg Helgenberger, who used to for years be the co star in CSI. Um, she oh, she's yeah. she's in it as well. She's been in lots of stuff over the years. Uh, and 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 you know, good good supporting cast around those three kind of big names that that, that we've mentioned oh, sold i will definitely watch that one yeah. as well so quite a dark thriller mm. and and a very very good quite a chilling performance from kevin costner uh, in a in a role he doesn't normally do so that's mr brooks excellent i shall look forward to it now next we have a um a film i am very familiar with so tuesday the 25th of january at nine o'clock on itv4 we have the first jack reacher movie from 2012 and uh, it's uh, unsurprisingly known and called um, Jack Reacher. Yeah. Now, this this although the book isn't called no Jack Reacher. Uh, no, so this proves, if nothing else, that I'm a hypocrite because uh, I never. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I've mentioned this before, and and regular listeners may well know this of me that I am a fan of the Jack Reacher books. Mm. I enjoy them. They that then you know it's not it's not Dickens you know but, no. but they're enjoyable. They're 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 like the the literary equivalent of a Saturday night movie, you know, just a, just a big big action thing. You don't, don't think about it too hard. Just enjoy the. Yes, ride. exactly. That's the way to treat it. Not go in there thinking, well, is this going to win the the Whitbread Prize or something? It's, yeah, you know, it's, it does what it says on the tin. And, yeah, uh, and, and and being a fan, whenever you you see an adaptation of something that you enjoy in a different form, mm. you always approach it cautiously. You know, you, you yes. think, well, what's going to happen? And one of the first problems with this movie, long before any trailer was ever seen yeah. is that the six foot five literary creation of Jack Reacher is played by the five foot six Tom Cruise. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was going to concede him five foot seven, but uh, <laughs> he's still smaller than me. And yeah. I don't go around beating people up. So, you know, it wouldn't last, not, for, it not wouldn't, much. wouldn't end very well if I did, <laughs> but I, I know there was a massive backlash initially when he was cast as there often is. In fact, there was a backlash went by the by the author when he did an interview with the vampire, and she changed her mind because she went, "Oh, actually, mm. he is the Lestat I imagined." Yeah, Anne Rice. So she kind of almost apologized. In fact, she put an advert in Variety apologizing, saying how good he was. Um, I don't know how many of the, as they're known, Reacher creatures <laughs> changed their mind when they saw him in this. But I thought he was good. I thought he was convincing. Yeah. And he looked like he could beat people up, even so, if he is little. So this is yeah. where you've got to kind of, I don't know, where, where perhaps I'm a hypocrite or, or not, I don't know. But as much as I enjoy the Jack Reacher books, and as much as I do not in any way, shape or form picture Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher mm. whenever I'm reading them, because he's not. It is, he's massive. He's it, like yeah, it just doesn't, you cannot yeah. possibly imagine Tom Cruise uh, in that part because that's not who Jack Reacher is. Having said that, Tom Cruise captures something of the essence of Jack Reacher in his portrayal. Agreed. And if you've mm. never seen the books before, if you've never read the books, you will enjoy this far more. Yes, because it and, works and in its own right. Everyone's taller on the screen. You know, you don't have to worry about that. And particularly as they, they can always cast people alongside you who do not make you look like you're yeah. you know, the height you are. Well, because there's one scene in this where he's in a bar and there's a load of like yo- local youths, you know, the locals who kind of 
basically like offer him out for a fight and he goes okay is that the one where the girl lures him out or something oh it could have been and he's out in the car park and there's like six of them and then he kind of and in that moment and in the moments that follow it you're under no doubt that he can take care of those six guys. Yes, and, and whatever training he has done to make it look good on screen, it looked convincing. Yeah, he was fast, he, looked, he was agile, yeah. and they looked hurt. Yeah, whereas <laughs> in the books, Jack Reacher relies on his height and his sheer bulk and his size yeah. to be able to take down people quite easily. And now, see, I don't know if you've seen any trailers for the new TV series of Jack Reacher. That seems quite evident in the clips I've yeah, seen. That he's yeah. a big guy at one point fighting in a prison yeah. washroom and yeah. knocking big guys over because he's even bigger. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right, it's a different dynamic really. and, and yet you, you can also imagine that the guy of the books whilst he uses his size he must have those skills whereas in this it's more like he's using the skills because that's all he's got but yeah. he's using them so effectively you bind the fact that he's a guy that's dangerous absolutely yeah um, no, i thought it was good it was, i was pleasantly surprised watching that movie for the first time and uh, what i've also, seen it since and the follow-ups actually or the follow-up yeah well what i liked about this one and the follow-up as well was that you also you you're following the the mystery of the story from his perspective the whole way through you never see a, a scene from another perspective so you as the audience are discovering the clues as he's discovering yes, them yes i like that in the book that, yeah, you know you, you're not you're not there's no point i don't from what i remember where it cuts to the villain talking with a henchman about mm. what he's going to do next or whatever it's always you know you're, you're following that investigation along with jack reacher who's yeah. trying to and we haven't even said what the story's about um because there is one it's it, you know a bit oh, hang on. the story's about him turning up in a town <laughs> and uh he fights everybody beats them up finds the villain solves the problem yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> It's about a sniper, isn't it? Yeah. There's a sniper involved. Yes, yeah, so, and, so uh, the book was called One Shot. And yeah, that's about right. I've read that one, oddly enough. It's the one uh, Lee Child, Jack Reacher book I have read all the way okay. through. So. so a former army sniper is arrested following a random shooting that leaves five people dead, but he protests his innocence. An elusive former military police investigator, Jack Reacher, is called in to examine the case and becomes convinced a conspiracy is at work. Uh, and, uh, and it's, again, great cast. Tom Cruise, who is good at what he does. Yeah, he is. He's, he's not. I mean, he's he's a, not the literary Jack Reacher, but maybe that doesn't matter. I think sometimes with Tom Cruise, because he's a big movie star and because he has said odd things off camera that we yeah. won't dwell on because it'll take all day, he tends to get a bit derided and a bit mocked. But when you stick him in a movie, God, he's watchable. He's very yeah. good, and he yeah. chooses good material as well. Yeah, and Rosamund Pike's in it. She's very good. And he, he, he increasingly is working with the same people. He works with the same directors. Christopher McQuarrie. He's done a lot of films oh, with, and, and he's you know excellent director. And that's who he's doing here. Uh, Werner Herzog, the, the the acclaimed director who sometimes acts as well. He's he's in this. Yep, the and directing wasn't working out, so he went <laughs> took up the acting. And legendary actor Robert Duvall's Robert in Duvall, this. Yeah, you know it's it's got some good people so mm. yeah and, and for a Tuesday night they're giving it a fun a better film to watch so pop, oh. pop that one on Tuesday night glass of wine sit down and enjoy yeah good choice anyway we then go to Wednesday the 26th of January and this is 10.50pm uh, almost my bedtime it's on the horror channel and it's a movie from the, uh, 2000 the year 2000 and it is Hollow Man yeah I've, are you aware of this one I'm not See, again, I wasn't aware of this one. I, don't, I certainly don't remember it when it came You're out. You're educating became, me this time. I became aware of it later and, and was really blown away by how good it was because I love a horror film. But much like um, producer Sam, who, who does the film guide, in fact, she's here next week, and she, she loves a horror film as well. Uh, but 
I often think that there aren't that many good ones around. Yes, I and agree. I don't tend to watch them, but every now and again I'll find a really good one and think, ah, that was good. But there's a lot of bad ones, isn't there? There's a lot of very formulaic. Yeah. So I don't tend to watch horror very often. Yeah, and, and I just find too often they rely on gore and they rely on cheap mm. shocks and there's nothing that's really thoughtful. But occasionally one comes along and you think, wow, that's why I like horror films because there's a, there are a couple of really good ones in amongst the dirge. And this will be one of them. Yeah. Uh, this is from Paul Verhoeven. Um, oh yes, okay. As well, uh, and and this is a basic uh, instinct, chappy. Yeah, ba- yeah, basic yeah. instinct, total recall. Robocop. Um, yeah, Robo- yeah, and uh, Mars. Uh, I was going to say Mars attacks, Starship Troopers. Slightly. Different oh yeah, Starship there. Troopers. Yeah. That was a, so, so an assault on the senses. That yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So very interesting filmmaker, uh, Paul Verhoeven. He is. Yeah. And um, again, a good cast. Uh, Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. who you know is somebody who is incredibly bankable and versatile and, and he, he's good as a leading man he's very good as a supporting actor as well and and you know he's such an he's been career. very good for years and and consistently good is what i mean over everything he's usually you you, you believe in him when you watch him yeah i've it. nearly bought a mobile phone because of him well yeah i mean that one uh yeah that he because he he famously lost quite a bit of money in the ponzi scheme didn't he that was um exposed and now he's doing the adverts presumably to top back the money that went yeah and he's everywhere on tv but, but apparently uh, he's one of those guys a bit like keanu reeves as well who who is is widely regarded as being a really nice everyday sort of bloke oh, apparently right. he always rides the underground um you know whereas most stars would have drivers and is that because he can no longer afford a car yeah, 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 yeah. times yeah. are there tough you go. yeah, yeah. Times are tough. Um, good luck to him but uh, there's a great story i saw him on uh, graham norton's chat show once where he said that whenever he goes to a wedding reception he always goes up to the dj and he slips him 50 bucks and he says there's another 15 if you if you don't play footloose if you don't play footloose yes yeah. bless him I can yeah. imagine um, but uh, but yeah so Hollow Man uh, starring Kevin Bacon alongside Elizabeth Shue Oscar winning yeah. actress Elizabeth Shue Josh Brolin mm-hmm. uh, before he was particularly famous as well uh, and Kim Dickens who is a lady who's been in a lot of TV stuff oh, right. um, she was in uh, Deadwood she had quite a part oh, yeah. in, in, in that um, series uh, she was in Sons of Anarchy as well right. um, and uh, yeah and other uh, she was in Fear the Walking Dead for the first couple of years of it. She was the main star of it um, to begin with. But anyway, Hollow Man, a brilliant scientist, tests an invisibility serum on himself, but becomes dangerously intoxicated by the power he acquires. He abandons his morals and heads out into the city to take full advantage of his condition. Realising he has been up to no good, concerned colleagues decide to confront him with terrible consequences. I'm now more fascinated with what he actually gets up to than the terrible consequences. I love the way it says he abandons his morals. Yeah. Uh, I can only wonder. So now he's invisible. Uh, so, it's, yeah. so it's basically a retelling of The Invisible Man. Yes, I'm with you. Yeah, um, yeah. But, 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 but in a very original way, uh, with 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 some real genuine scares and thrills along the way in, the, in this good. very good psychological horror movie uh, and yeah wonderful cast and a good director. So we're down to our last selection or your last selection for the week, uh, which is when we get to Thursday the twenty seventh of January, ten thirty p.m. on Five Star, uh, a film from nineteen ninety seven that again I am familiar with this time. Uh, as good as it gets. Yeah, well, uh, looking at sort of the diversity of actors, you know, one that you've got to be impressed by is Jack Nicholson, who 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 can do just about every genre, it would seem. And here he is doing romantic comedy, and and doing it incredibly well. Uh, this this film got nominated for it got nominated for the, at the Oscars for all the main all the main movies. Yeah, and it's funny because it's a film. I remember watching it when it came out and enjoying it, but it's a film that doesn't get mentioned very often. 
It, it almost falls into our too good to be forgotten type of discussion. Yeah, that, you know, nobody really comments on it anymore. No, but it got yeah, it got nominated for best actor, best actress, best picture, best supporting actor, best writing, best editing, best music, and it won the big two. It won best actor and best actress, and and that's a fairly small club that that wins both of those. It um, is, you're right. Yeah, uh, in a particular year, but but yeah, as good as it gets, that the premise is. Um, a bigoted misanthropic writer, not Howard, who treats everyone he <laughs> meets with time. contempt, not Howard. Yeah, not this time. <laughs> is forced to look after his gay neighbour's dog and develops an empathy with another creature for the first time in years. Sensing a need for human company, he pursues an unlikely romance with a waitress who is the only person willing to put up with his rudeness. Romantic comedy drama with Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Greg Kinnear. And it's a wonderful cast. Mm, it is. It's yeah. so... This film is so funny and heartwarming, and uh, it comes from James L. Brooks, who uh, is, you know, this this isn't. He's unfamiliar. a broadcast news fellow, isn't he? Going back That's right. Quite yeah. a long while. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I believe was he Terms of Endearment? Yes, he was. Yeah, I'm um, sure he was. Yeah, and and so you know, he. I love that one less, but that's not really my thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, J- James L. Brooks, who yeah, uh, broadcast news, Terms of Endearment, um, and also one of the guys behind The Simpsons. Oh yes. yeah, James L. Brooks is is mm. is is uh, one of the guys behind the development of the Simpsons. That should He's top up his pension then, in that case. <laughs> Imagine it would, you know, because uh, yeah, it's um, it's quite successful. Yes, it's been on since 1989. <laughs> wow, it's, it's incredible that that it's however many years that is now. That's that's that 30, 33 we're into. Aren't yeah, we? so that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yes, oh. but but yes, and and also this has most of the Simpsons cast in it. In, oh. in in small roles, so um, you know the there's a receptionist at one point who I think only has a line or two, but she's the voice of Bart Simpson, and oh, and wow. there's you know a, a lot of the people who are the voice the main voice actors in the Simpsons all have small roles in in this movie as well. Oh. You can look out for them in different places. You can imagine, guys, guys, I need to fill the cast here. No pressure. No pressure, but after work, you know, if you want to carry on being in The Simpsons, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously you'll be working for low rates. You know, yeah. oh yeah. But does anyone want to be in, in a in a in a what's undoubtedly going to be an Oscar winning movie? Jack and Helen, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And you know, yeah, Helen Hunt as well was was. She's really good, isn't she, Helen? Hunt? Yeah, and and this really showed showed her range as well, and mm. and and just how great she was. There wasn't a bad move in this movie. There wasn't a misstep anywhere. Every part of it was well. Every cu- casting decision made worked really well. Greg Kinnear was really good in this. Uh, yeah, he he was. Uh, he, he was. He, yeah, he was inc- you know his his performance uh, was was very uh, considered and and it, it worked really well. And the way that Jack Nicholson's character warmed and mellowed and 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 kind of confronted his bigotry and and. Realised that he needed to change. Yeah, and it was his a relatively ways. slow burn. It wasn't like some eureka moment where he suddenly started behaving very normally. Because I seem to remember some of the stuff between Jack Nicholson's character and Helen Hunt's uh, pretty awkward dates and awkward interactions that uh, didn't necessarily go with an upward trajectory. It was a bit more nuanced than that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So so just a, a wonderful film, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, the written and directed by James L. Brooks. And uh, yeah, with a stunning cast. So that's our final choice. As good as it gets from 1997 on Thursday, the 27th of January at 10:30 p.m. on Five Star. So while you're pondering um, your favourite selection for the week, um, I would, I think, would like to choose Z for Zachariah because I although I haven't seen it. 
that is the one that has got me most interested. I, to be fair, you you converted me to two or three that I either haven't seen or, in the case of Ronin, would like to see again to give it another chance. But uh, which one would you recommend? So, so choosing. Now, I'm not saying this is the best film of, of of the ones I've chosen this week, but the one that I think, if you've not seen, you should give it a try. Mr. Brooks. So that would be my choice of the week. Sold. So uh, there you go. Thank you, Danny. That concludes the list of our films that are airing on Free to View TV for this week. The list of films that Danny's recommended can be found in the description of this podcast episode and on our website, stalbinspodcast.com. Next week on The Film Guide, producer Sam, Sam Rolf, will be choosing the films. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, where we are at St. Albans Podcast. My many books are available from all good bookshops and some very dodgy ones too. Thanks for listening. I've been Howard Linsky and you've been listening to me and Danny Smith. <laughs>